welcome to another episode of Scrumcast. I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Clayton Langelzigich. I'm Jade Meskill. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about retrospectives. Uh, so actually, I have a question for you, Derek. Um, you know, you're the one who usually runs the retrospective here at Integrum. Um, you know, and so you've obviously been doing that for a while. Um, maybe what are some um, some maybe traps you could fall into as a scrum master where the retrospective maybe is kind of stale, where you talk about the same thing over and over again. Um, you know, what are some patterns that you've seen, uh, negative patterns, maybe some smells, and then uh, ways to avoid those? So I think uh, one negative pattern is using the same activities over and over again. Um, I see a lot of organizations or a lot of teams uh, that do the plus minus delta as pretty much the only tool in their toolbox, the only activity. And I think that teams kind of get into a, a rhythm of just, okay, I'm just going to spit out the same kind of thing and I, I'm not really challenging my thinking. And I think sometimes if you start to go into a little bit deeper activities, um, you can almost, I don't want to say trick people, but you can get people to stop thinking about being guarded about the data that they're giving or about the ideas that they're having and instead allow flow to happen a little bit better. And so I think that the more you can get people out of the rhythm of the activity, the more that they tend to be honest or um, give responses that they wouldn't normally because they're they're too focused on like I want to get the activity and not screw it up or do it right that I'm you know being more real with my responses whereas if I know exactly what you're going to do with the data and how you're going to respond to it you know I, you know it's just kind of like well I'm not going to add this to it because I know that next step is ABC and I don't want to deal with whatever comes after ABC so um, you know one of the ways I think you can really deal with it is to to change it up quite a bit. I think I think the trap that some people fall into is they only think about uh, facilitating a retrospective from an agile perspective instead of thinking about being a, me- a meeting facilitator. Right? There's tons and tons of resources out there by really great, smart people who uh, have become perf- you know very proficient at uh, facilitating meetings and getting people to be creative and lots of games and exercises and, and different techniques. And, you know, we buy the Agile Retrospective book and stop there, right? And I think that's a huge mistake. Yeah, I think uh, Thinker Toys is a really good book. Gamestorming's a good book. Innovation Games is a good book. There's definitely kind of a whole um, uh, industry or a segment that, that really talks about a lot of these kind of brainstorming or um, innovative ways or game ways to, to unlock things in your brain. And I think that um, anybody who's doing a lot of facilitation exercises to really check those out. Um, additionally, I think there is an art to facilitation. When you talk about um, traps, I think it's very hard, um, especially if you're a scrum master or somebody who's kind of on the team, um, it's hard to not want to interject your opinion or to drive things in a way that you want them to be driven opposed to being a facilitator who really lets people um, express themselves. And and one of the things I would say is like the F word is a dirty word in engineering. And I'm not talking about fuck because we all say that in engineering. (laughs) I'm talking about about the explicit (laughs) F word, which is feelings. And, And I think that a lot of times to really unlock 
um, change, you have to get people talking about how they feel about things so that they can overcome those feelings to move on. And I think that there's definitely an art, especially in dealing with engineers and facilitating in a way to not you know, really say, how, do you, how does that make you feel, Clayton? But instead, ask questions that pull those feelings out so that they can be dealt with and so that the team can deal with them. And I think that that's definitely a trap that, that's easy to fall into if you're an engineer doing facilitation. Yeah, so one thing, uh, kind of segueing into this, um, th- that I've seen, you know, we've had this problem, and I'm sure other people uh, maybe have this problem on their team, is when, you know, you want to get into the feelings, you want to start talking about those things, um, but you also have a time box and so you want to respect everyone's time and people have things to do and you know, whatnot. So it seems like sometimes you get to the last maybe 10 or 15 minutes of the retrospective and there's some kind of aha moment where some, you start getting into something deeper, but then it's almost too late. And it seems like that happens more often than not where it, you, it takes kind of quite a while. Uh, why do you think it is that it takes, you know, maybe the whole retrospective to get into that stuff? Uh, or, or what are some things you could do to bring that up earlier? So, I don't know good ways necessarily to bring it up earlier. I think some of it is is we have to let our guard down. And and I think that sometimes it just takes a little while of kind of that surface level chitter chatter. You know, if you think of it kind of like a dating ritual, you know, sometimes you need to kind of break the ice and kind of, you know, relax with each other and be able to move until you move it to the next level. And I think that retrospectives follow a similar pattern is everybody's kind of been doing their work for the week. So it's, you know, kind of your mind's a little bit burnt. You're, you know, a little bit on edge and it takes a little while to kind of get in a little more relaxed and you know, get out of the doing the work stage to talk about the the mental part of reviewing the work and retrospecting on it. And then it takes that time to kind of say, you know, let the guard down and, and really do that. So I think if you can pick activities, if you know you've got a team that's um, kind of slow, a slow mover team, um, that if you can pick activities that help break down those barriers and get, get it kind of into the um, mood of being able to share more openly um, that uh, you try to do those more often. Well, I also think that you need to inspect and adapt on your retrospectives. And if you're always having this problem, maybe you need to change the timing or the length of your retrospective uh, to deal with that, right? If it takes your team an hour to even get to uh, moving beyond the surface level, maybe maybe your retrospectives need to be two hours, right? And you spend the, the second hour uh, really digging into the meat of that. Uh, I, I think you, you really need to pay attention to what's working and what's not working with your teams. Um, so maybe kind of change the format. We'll go to like the CNN crossfire. Uh, <laughs> so smart goals, uh, good or bad? Hate them. Um, <laughs> I like. I li- it's not very crossfire ish. <laughs> I, I I like I like the concept of smart goals. Meaning, I I like setting a tangible action to improve. And I you know I like the principle of smart in that it, it really allows you to keep things where yes I can do this. Yes, it's reasonable. Yes, it's timely. Yes, it's actionable. Yes, you know all, all of those things. Um, I think some of the problems um that come out of that is it's very hard to do the follow up on those and to build up on them. So I think if you're doing disciplined retrospectives where you kind of say over a period of time we're trying to make this change and you've got multiple smart goals, you know, maybe it makes a little more sense. I know we've had you know, we we've done them, it's it's difficult to follow through sometimes all the way to the end and then, you know, where it's really been a problem I think is uh, the problem with smart goals is 
you don't do the habit setting. So you say, oh, we're going to do this for next iteration. And you do it, and it works really great. And then you do it the next iteration, and then it starts to fall across on the third iteration. And then it's gone on the fourth iteration. And then in six more retrospectives, it comes back is like, hey, we need to solve this problem. And everybody goes, haven't we already talked about this? So the, the problem I have with it is not the actual SMART goals and you know the, the follow-through like you're saying. I, I agree that those are issues. The, the problem that I see is in the context of the retrospective, it, it totally, the way I've seen it on our team is it totally derails the good conversation that we're having and changes it into, well, how do we come up with a, another stupid smart goal that fits this formula? And I think it, I think a lot of times it really detracts from some of the more powerful and more honest conversation that we could be having. And now it's just about creating this formulaic thing. Right. But I see the, the flip side of that is people will talk shit to death and never come up with anything I, actionable. So we can have really great, deep, meaningful conversation, but you know, that doesn't do shit for improving oneself. So, so maybe it's like everything else that we're saying it's, it's used appropriately and not uh, abused. Uh, maybe that's where the, the secret lies in moderation. Um, what is, you know, for each of you, you guys both run retrospective. What is your, uh, or maybe not biggest, but what is a, a retrospective pet peeve that you have, uh, that you you think if we did away with not only on our team but on other teams uh, things would be greatly improved. <laughs> so so one that jumps to my mind is uh, the the biggest thing that irritates me when I'm facilitating is somebody speaking on behalf of the anonymous other people who feel this way but not me personally, right? That that drives me insane and, and I will usually shut that down and and say well if those people need to say that they need to speak for themselves, uh, especially if you are not part of that group, right? If you're saying, well, I think that such and such people might be feeling this way because I've heard about it, but I don't feel this way. You need to stay out of the conversation and maybe bring that up and, and challenge the people to speak their mind, but don't, don't give me this big story about how other people are feeling. Yeah, I don't like that one much either. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I really hate when um, people won't, express their feelings and and when i say that is that they won't say what's on their mind so you know before a retrospective um you know all during the week somebody will really belabor and bitch and moan about something with the team and then when it comes to retrospective time and it's the wide open slate to bring up that issue with the team the person won't engage and when somebody else brings up the topic there's no opinion on it from that person um, and if you ask them, you know, kind of try to pry it out of them, it's, oh, no, no big deal. And then immediately after the retrospective, you know, there's the right back to the, yeah, we're never going to get rid of problem X, Y, Z that I've been bitching about for the last five days. Um, and so I think we should just institute the nut punch rule where anybody <laughs> who does that is you're OK to punch them in the nuts. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, th I think some of that is being a good facilitator and watching out for some of those things. Um it is hard when they when you do acknowledge that and they still refuse to uh, initiate the conversation. That that's really challenging. But if you're just watching body language and watch for the eye roll and you know uh, draw attention to that, you can solve some of that. But like but like you said, if they still refuse to talk about it, then definitely nut punch. Yeah, one technique I actually was reading about in the Coaching Agile Teams book that I thought was really interesting was um, as a facilitator phrasing your questions in such a way that. You're not actually asking the person. So the example was rather than saying, hey, Derek, you know, I know Derek has this problem about something, but he, I don't think he's going to talk about it. I could say, hey, Derek, why do you think some people would feel this way? And then now it's he's not talking about his feelings. You know, I thought that was really interesting. Um, 
So as a scrum master listening to this podcast, what is something that I could do my next retrospective, you know, real quick tip that would make it better than the last one? Uh, I would read uh, at the retrospectives by uh, Esther Derby and <laughs> Diana Larson to start with. Um, I think that uh, Lisa Atkins book um, uh, coaching agile teams is, has a lot of really good uh, points about um, uh, dealing with teams in, in good ways and facilitating. And I think that there are a ton of books that we don't talk about um, on facilitation and coaching um, that have nothing to do with agile, that those skills are totally transport Yep. whether you're doing organizational redevelopment or doing a retrospective for a team facilitation is facilitation and coaching is coaching so i would say anything you can do to improve um those you know maybe you've got a cat at home that doesn't like to use the litter box and you know practice some of your facilitation techniques on the cat i'll see if you can get it to start using a litter box on a regular basis you know yeah i think i think take a risk that that's the biggest advice i would give uh so like i ran retrospective at, at our last one and um, I've been reading game storming a lot, and I pulled out uh, an an experiment, uh, one of their games, um, and just tried it. Right, I had no idea if it would work, um, but it, you know, I, I thought it might be fun to at least try, and we got really excellent results out of it. The other thing I say is add alcohol to your retrospectives. It it does wonders for. Uh, loosening inhibitions as far as the team saying what's on their mind and uh it uh definitely a little dangerous too <laughs> see you next time